This is Making Light. Julie Hurt and Kate Fogger are soul-level intuitives and animal communicators. This show is about us sharing our experiences in the hope it will help others along their path. So let's go make some light. Hello, everybody. I'm Kate Fogger, and with me is Julie Hurt. And today we have an enormously special guest star. But before we introduce her, I would say we are Making Light. So Julie and I do this weekly podcast and we normally go through all the negative beliefs and all that rubbish. And today we're just going, well, we probably will talk about all those things as well. But most importantly, I'm desperately excited to introduce Parul. So Parul is a fellow animal communicator, but she is so much more. And I didn't really know Parul. I knew she'd sort of qualified because they tell us. Um, we get emails about, you know, all these new people, which, of course, we're like, well, we're new people, whatever. Um, and then I had said to Julie, I really want someone to do some healing with me. And she said, have you asked Perul? And I was like, mm, I don't really know Perul, don't really know Perul. And I went on Perul's website and I was just like, oh, my God, she's a, she's a pranic healer. And I was like Googling pranic healing. And I'm like so excited about it all. And then we started speaking, didn't we, Perul? I know you had already spoken because with Julie, because I don't know if you, she was your teaching assistant or not, but I know you guys. But, but anyway, so I am delighted Partly also because it's really nice to have representation in anywhere outside the US. No offense, Julie, but there's just this sort of bond in the rest of the world that's like, we're here too, we're here too. So it was Wait, just lovely I to thought have the United States, I thought the United States the was the epicenter of the universe. Well, it is, is it not? but the best of us still, you know, we exist. You may be the same. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's well, one it of is, my biggest but we're pet still, peeves. No, we're still not. like, hello, hello, over here. <laughs> And if I thought the time zones were shit for me, they are doubly shit for Parul. So um, to try and keep up with things. So Parul. Can I just make a note? Uh, Dr. Parul Shouter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I just sorry. want to say Dr. <laughs> Parul Shouter. Dr. Parul. Yeah. So yeah, that's all. I, because I, I just, <laughs> she's done amazing work. I just, and I'm not saying you're not saying that. I'm just. Doctor. Oh, I, I didn't Perul. say it. I, I'm deliberately not saying it because actually, Parul, when I was at university, I wanted to do a PhD because I wanted to be Dr. Patterson. Um, and then I didn't. <laughs> so I'm just jealous because I didn't do it. <laughs> mm. So I'm oh, just well. plain old Moore's Patterson. <laughs> it's like, okay, so Parul, well, um, tell us, well, tell us about you, not just how you got into this, but how did it all start for you? First of all, I want to thank both of you. And it's so amazing to be here with both of you and uh, working with you and Julia as my um, teaching assistant, you as a friend that I have got, such a beautiful person you are, Kate. And it is so amazing to be with people like you because where I am, I do not find people like you who do this work and so open to sharing and uh, exchanging views and information with each other. So I'm very, very delighted and blessed to be here and have both of you here. And uh, how I got here, oh my God, that's a long journey and I really do not know how I landed up. But I know for one thing was for sure, even as a small child, as a little girl, I always had this in my head that, you know, I can understand what the animals are saying. Somehow it was there in my head. I don't know where did it get from. And I always felt that I can understand and I can talk to them. And I had all this fantasy in my head that, yes, I will one day be the Dr. Doolittle and I'll be speaking to animals. I'll be doing all of this. But as you grow up, life happens, things uh, change and priorities change. So I got working. I helped uh, my husband set up a few businesses. We run two schools of our own. So um K-12 schools, which I helped him to set up. I was a principal of one of the schools. Then, interestingly, um, that was not enough. You know, never, and for me, nothing is ever enough in life. So then I started a food truck out of the blue. I said, I want to do something absolutely bizarre, and I want to do this food truck. And why I started a food truck was like, I said, people need to eat healthy. There was a phase in my life. It may not look like when you look at me now, but it was a phase in my life when... I wanted to make sure that everybody is eating healthy and I was selling sandwiches on a food truck and I called it which way, which was, you know, that and why I did that because I loved being um, out and 
There also my whole soul aim was where my food truck was used to be parked. We used to have a lot of stray animals. And my motivation was after we have done, we would feed those stray animals. There were cows, there was dogs, and there were cats who used to come along with a lot of students. And I would always go and park outside a college. So I interact with more younger crowd. And by doing all this, I realized that there is so much uh, more that people need to understand. There needs to be so much of awareness of how... Um, you know, what the animals are doing in our life, how they are, simple things. I didn't start out right away, you know, thinking that I will communicate or I'll become a communicator. I started, started out making a difference in whatever I was doing. So I got these students together, these group of students would come on my food truck and then every evening we'll go campaigning, looking for stray dogs who are hurt or injured and, you know, do a little first aid, pick them up, take them for nutrient and sterilization because here in our country, the facilities are there, but I would say the population size is so huge that I would not even blame uh, the authorities. They are doing their best, but the size is so much that we you need say, more. Bro, actually, we sorry, we haven't actually told anybody that you're in India. I mean, they might have worked it out, but yeah, <laughs> Parul is in India. Sorry, guys. Go on. <laughs> I also didn't mention. So I, I'm from India and I'm from New Delhi. So um. There is a lot that needs to be done. We need a lot of hands because the population is huge and we have a huge stray population and we have so many animals on the road which are stranded, which need help. So I started out doing that. And when I was doing that, I realized that this is not enough. You know, only first aid is not helping them. I need to do a little more. I always wanted to be a vet and my parents were both doctors and they, they somehow never kind of encouraged me because one was a surgeon, one was a gynecologist. And they said, you know, wet in India means somebody who can only treat cows and horses. And then we had this weird thing, you know, that we'll have a wet who'll throw an injection on the cow. You know, it will be you know, I mean, like that. So the, our veterinary, animal husbandry, veterinary science was like, was pathetic at that time when I was growing up. I'm talking about what, 30, 40 years back when I wanted to do this. My parents said, no, no, we do not want to have a doctor who's just throwing injections at horses and cows, you know, so you better do not do this. So I said, okay, fine. So I, I said, okay, let's do something else. But I always wanted to be that person who could make a difference or heal or, you know, help the animals. So my first aid was basic. And then I thought I cannot do veterinary science now that they are not going to take me. I was too old to get enrolled in the school. So this... Then I started looking for other options where I can heal them with other modalities. And I came across a pranic healer and I was very excited when I went there and they said, no, it's, you know, we heal humans only. We do not teach for animals. I said, oh, shoot. I wanted to only learn for animals. I, I'm I'm the last person to be interested in healing a human. Okay, no offense. Humans are great. I'm a human. But my my passion was to go out and heal an animal. So then I said, oh, God, what do I do now? They said, okay, fine, the anatomy is the same. So then I went to a vet and I asked the vet, what is the difference in the anatomy? Teach me the anatomy. If you cannot teach me the whole uh, med medical science, at least teach me the anatomy of different animals. This was a vet where I used to take my animals. And he said, okay, fine, we'll sit you down. And he started teaching me the anatomy and how it all works. And I made that comparison. I said, oh, this is similar. What they're doing in pranic healing energy works the same way. And then I started reading and reading and, you know, pulled out a bunch of papers, wrote a couple of stuff, went to people who were doing energy healing and started finding out that connection that this looks, this can merge. So I started merging and I started treating the stray animals which were injured on the road. And it worked wonderfully well. They started healing. We had a dog whose toe was cut. It was missing. The toe kind of, uh, there was a regrowth of the bone in the toe. Wow. And without taking him to the vet, we didn't have to take him to the vet and nowhere. We just treated him with healing. And uh, I started doing bark flower remedy at then. I started um, using flower essences to calm them down, to help them understand that we are here to help them. And it all started working out beautifully. And that's how my journey started. I was so excited. And pandemic came. Pandemic was a blessing. Because that was the time nobody could disturb me and the animals. We were the only two people alone on the road, on the streets. So I would go every day out. Not a day I stayed at home in COVID. And uh, I was out feeding them, looking after them. Though I was taking all the precautions. I was going out. But I was out there looking after them, feeding them, healing them, giving them bark flower. I learned so much in that stillness 
it was wonderful because being in that still moment just sitting there it was all quiet and peaceful just being there with the animals it really opened up a lot for me and then i lost my uh, two amazing girls that i had zara and zina and that was a time i was totally shattered i was in a cocoon i was not going out i was not doing anything and i would just spend sleepless nights thinking why because i was doing so much of healing work and both of them went with major illnesses why they brought up this illness with, are, they was... dogs? are they were they dogs yeah they were dogs yeah they were dogs so yeah, sorry. So I know we all were, talk about our girls, and there's people going, "What girls? Horses? People, girls. Children? What?" It's like <laughs> the four-legged girls. <laughs> so um, Zara was a Zara was a Dachshun. She was a dog, and she was struggling with blindness. And I have a lot of eye issues. I've undergone many eye surgeries, and Zara and Zina was having issues with mobility, and she's. She was fighting a lot of ailments. She had an enlarged heart. She had uh, tumors and she had a tumor which would regrow in her mouth. There was so much happening re regarding the health part. And I was wondering why, why is it that I'm going out and healing so many and they're all getting better. And in my own house where I have these two animals, which I tried my level best, but it's not working. What There is something which I'm missing. And that was it. And that was killing me. So I was having sleepless nights. I was going on to a YouTube channel, you know, because you're just sitting, you're surfing. And Daniel's video popped up and she came on. And um, I absolutely, whatever she said made so much of sense. And the way she talked and spoke was, it gave me so much of peace. So I was listening to her videos every day. And one day it went into a loop and it got stuck and it would not budge. It was a sign, which I learned later that signs come like this and I went onto the website because I watched that video enough so I said let me scroll down and see what is there is there a link how can I get out of here so I clicked on her website went there and that's how my journey started as an animal communicator I enrolled myself into so many courses that she offers and that's how we all know each other and it's so amazing that she's a teacher and she is the reason why we got together Can't absolutely so Perul, the so you then learned the animal communication. How did that affect your healing? Have you found how did it contribute to what you were already doing? Oh, majorly, because now with animal communication, I can I can actually feel how they are feeling in the body. Body mapping helped me a lot with my work because I can feel what they are feeling. Number one, number two, I understand why they are bringing up things you know with the soul level why they're bringing up all these behaviors which may look like that it needs some medical attention or it needs some medical care that they need actually it's my healing has expanded from them having bark flower to their human having bark flower to their human getting healed to the human getting help because actually it is less of them and more of human mm -hmm. so that bridge which was a miss when I was struggling with Zara and Zina, I kind of bridged that gap. I understood why they were bringing all that, that they brought up as so many health things. And when I started learning, I learned about myself, how those animals are working with me, how they are helping me now in my journey from where they are in the soul plane. And that changed the entire perspective. And it is so amazing where I was not even ready to heal a human. Now I jumped to it. I said, oh, great, because actually if I heal this human, then his animal is benefited. Mm -hmm. So that that beautiful thing, the animals helped me come back and kind of have more compassion for my own kind, which was majorly missing in me. I, I didn't have a lot of compassion for my kind because I would always look at somebody, either he's he's a dog lover or a dog hater. For me, there was nobody yes. in between. <laughs> yeah we're all a bit like that yeah so I, either i hate you're not liking animals so i hate you you like animals okay you're on my team what's so, wrong with you <laughs> never <laughs> yes i don't understand that we, we we say that um it's hugely judgmental don't understand it this is fascinating parole julie i have like part, as always kate's got all the questions but i'm gonna let julie speak because otherwise i'll just run rub, sh run rough shod over her <laughs> Um, and sorry, I'm like looking around. Lucas usually, my dog usually lays at my feet when we do this, but he's been moving around and 
that's not usual for him. So I was just kind of watching to see what he was doing. Um, so sorry that it, I'm not just, I'm listening. I just, uh, just wanted to clarify that. So, although he's just now back at my feet, so I feel like everything is fine again. Um, so I did want to talk about the Bach flower remedies um, because I find them fascinating. So Lucas has, in particular has benefited from them uh, because he is very much afraid of thunderstorms where he was born and for the most part raised in Alaska. We didn't have thunderstorms in Alaska. Um, and so we move here to mid to the Midwest of the United States and we get these really big thunderstorms and particularly in summer and that noise along with fireworks, which we also didn't have in Alaska because the sun is out all the time when you would typically do them. I mean, we have it in, at, um, in the winter, but we lived so far away from stuff. So he wasn't used to these loud noises. And so that's really impacted his um, anxiety. And so um, I've worked with someone who does the Bach flower essences and the, res the, uh, the result is amazing. It still makes him nervous, but I just can give him the little um, uh, potion. I'll say, I don't want to say potion because I don't want to make it seem like it's magical, but it does like, it works like magic. And it's like, I just give him a little bit in his, a drop in his mouth and it's, he's not a hundred percent like we can release it, but he can at least deal with it. It's really fascinating. So can you talk to us a little bit about the, the Bach flower essences? Yeah. You know, Bach flower essences are these 38 essences, which, uh, which were originated in UK by Dr. Edward Bach. And he was also using it on humans. He, um, he started out making it for humans. And what he did was that he said that every um, organ of the body holds a particular emotion. So he says disease is much more than what it looks like. It starts with an emotion. It starts with a feeling which kind of gets stuck. And if you are not able to address that, then it, you know, progresses to a, an, a mental or a physical ailment. So uh, when we take these bark flower essences, it helps clear our energy. So what it does, it kind of increases our vibration. It helps us, our body to vibrate on a higher frequency where we are able to start self-healing ourselves and clearing our energy. That is the simple way it works for animals. So um, that is why it is very important when you give a bark flower remedy to an animal, you have to give it uh, for a for a time period, recommended, and every like four to six hours because then it keeps the vibration higher and it keeps the body into the self-healing mode. So like if you're giving it to Lucas, you can uh, kind of give the anti-anxiety or whatever remedy that she, uh, she has made for a little longer period of time so that he can completely release that. It's um, It can be used as an SOS like you're using, but it can be used with a kind of a prescription, which is a little longer in duration and which helps to remove the problem kind of uh, to a larger extent. Mm -hmm. so, and um, the best part about these essences, you know, you, you can mix them in water. So there are no, there's no alcohol in it. And uh, because there's no alcohol, dogs love it. There is no smell. There is no taste. There is nothing. And... Um, the pets that I give to, they really like it. They take the dropper in their mouth. They're all ready. Like my ones also in the house, all six of them will come. Even the cats, you know, which are which do not like anything in their mouth forced. They also come looking at the bottle. They then know that this is something that they like. Because it is it just is like water. It's like they're having water, which is like spring water because it has a little flavor of the flower and the essence there. Mm -hmm. So, and it can be mixed in food also. You can mix it in food. And the best way to do is there is another whole science to bark flower remedies is an application. So there is another um, uh, vertical to it, which is that like we are giving remedies, we are consuming it, but we are applying it on that area. Suppose there is a lot of stress and anxiety and you're holding all that fears on your lungs. So lungs is the seat of fear. So we can mix that portion. You can have it and apply it on the lungs of your dog as well. So it is, it's very effective in removing it from the system. That energy clearing happens faster. So we apply bark flower remedies on different areas like skin. You have yeast infection, allergies, skin allergies. Once it starts, it's very difficult to kind of control and curb it. So give the bark flower and keep applying it on the skin as well. So it works clearing the energy from outside like we do in healing. We clear that energy. So it works very well. And bark flower healing and animal communication is a great kind of a mix because they all support each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the most amazing thing about all energy healing, I find is there's no contradiction. 
there's you know everything is always supporting each other and and it's actually been the same i found with my spiritual journey as well like you can have lots of different teachers and they may all have a different focus and a different way of getting there but the fundamental message of all of it i've never come across a contradiction whereas with religion there was contradiction all the time it's like i want to believe this but i can't and you're saying this is right and you're saying this is wrong and you just don't find that and i find as i get older that feminine wisdom i think as julie would say as opposed to wisdom as opposed to what knowledge. knowledge knowledge so the feminine wisdom is it's almost like i there is no there's no contradiction therefore because it's the contradiction that makes you think well someone must be wrong then it's either i'm wrong or you're wrong or whatever. and yet there is no contradiction that's what i love about all of this is it's all just adding to what we feel and know and believe as opposed to contradicting sorry i don't know where that came from that just came out of nowhere I'll yeah, I, yeah. And it's with all the things that, yes, I absolutely agree. And, and to me is like the keyword. I don't even like to use the conjunction, but because it negates everything that you said beforehand or anyone said beforehand. And it, so I, I try really hard to always say, and, but, and, and <laughs> to that point, I know. And to that point. So when you were talking, Prul, about your animals come for towards you, like asking for the box, that's what he's been doing too. So it, when it first was prescribed to him, we had to do it every day, certain however many hours, just as you had said, which, so thank you for clarifying that. Cause I want to make sure that people know really to get the most effect from them to follow the prescription work with someone like Dr. Chaudhry or, you know, another, um, Bach and Bach flower essence healer. Um, I work with actually another person that's gone through some of Danielle's courses. She's fabulous too. And um, anyway, so what I did all of what you said, and now when the, when he knows that the thunderstorm is coming, cause that's that and fireworks, fireworks, he can't predict thunderstorms. He can predict, right? Cause he feels the pressure change and all that stuff well before we do. And they'll even be miles and miles away they're not even going over our house i may not even hear it and all i have to do is oh there must be a thunderstorm pull up the radar map and sure enough somewhere nearby there is one but he goes right to where i keep it yes mm -hmm. <laughs> and then says like this is what i need and it's i just it's fascinating to me i really really like them so thanks for all that additional information yeah yeah, yeah. is that and was that how your business is humans of animal land right Okay. Is that what it started with just the flower or how did that all start? Um, Humans of Animal Land started out by talking about animals, creating awareness. Um, I started out with animal healing and bark flower, but more with creating awareness. I made that page where I could talk and tell people, okay, if you have a small house, you do not bring a bigger dog into it. And what happens because we've been living with animals or we know so much about animals, we just presume that the other people already know it. But there are a lot of people who are first time pet parents. They do not understand what breed to get, what animal to get, what are the challenges. So I was getting very disheartened seeing people getting an animal and then they just kind of in COVID that was happening a lot. You get a pet and then you say, no, 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 I don't need it. But now this is looking big. This is more work, responsibility. So... <clears throat> I started it out, um, I think it's been three years I've been uh, running uh, the the company per se as a company now. Three years? Doing... Yes. Now, oh I, my now God, this... Carol, I thought you've been doing it all your life. Can we just no. mention at this point that Parul has, and I didn't even go into Instagram, Google told me this, you have 45.3 thousand followers. Like, yes, oh... <laughs> my are we allowed to say god on this channel goodness you say other words that they allow well, god i think an argument about whether we should use the word god or not because it brings up so much for us as individuals <laughs> what does god mean that is amazing cruel i just assumed you'd been doing this like your whole life no i i was never a very tech savvy person and i'm not also I'm just learning along the way. And um, I just started out this page because I just wanted to tell people that, hey, there's a lot more to dogs, you know, there is a lot more to animals rather than just having them in the house. And while I was, and it was interesting, you know, how this happened. I started this out. And when I was doing this within six to eight months, I started doing the animal communication. So um, I started with the, the first level course with Daniel and whatever information I was gathering, I was continuously sharing on this page. So it was not that I was um, uh, 
I was holding no information back. I didn't wait. Okay, let me become a certified practitioner or an animal communicator. Then is when I'm going to share. I was too excited to continuously share information. So <laughs> it started kind of growing. So well, from being... whatever you're doing yeah. is amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, we need lessons from you, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I just go and do whatever I feel because somehow I feel that community, I feel that oneness, which is very strange. I've been doing, I'm not very active on Facebook. I'm not a person who will do a lot of WhatsApp and stuff like that. But in Instagram, somehow I found my place. So I found these people who are, you know, who are willing to listen, who are willing to respond and understand what I was doing. And it was nice. And I kept on sharing everything. So my page talks about animal communication, animal healing, bark flower. It talks about general stuff about animals also, um, you know, general stuff about cats, animals, dogs, what you need to do. Some very basic stuff also. So I didn't kind of think, oh, I'm an animal communicator. I'm only going to share this part. I'm a person who loves animal and that is what should come across when somebody comes and lands on that page as humans of animal and they should just feel that love for animals and get a lot of information if they they need to understand about their animal if they and just to say that we will if you want to become the 45,000th and one person um we will put down there we'll put in the links all of um Perul's things about that I was as but you told me a wee story Perul I think you can tell me because um I was like, I hate, I don't say hate, I do hate social media. I hate the pressures, bits of me. Like it's part of me that would think I'd be really fucking cool. I'll just go and do this little video and I'll do that. And then I never get around to it. And then I feel a pressure. And then I find myself walking around the garden, not looking at my chickens and enjoying them, but trying to get them in shot to, you know, and I'm like, I'm spoiling like moments with them because I'm trying to line it up to do a video or something to put on social media because I have to, because it's my business. And I've actually just stopped doing that. But And I'd said to you, oh, my God, like you do all these videos. And you told me something. I don't know if it was a cockroach or a spider. Do you remember? You said that you always do all these videos. Yeah. I think, Kate, you told me about it. And I think you did. A, you had a conversation with a cockroach. Yeah. Yeah. And I put it up on. And that was hilarious. I had a conversation. <laughs> there was a cockroach which was coming again and again into my space. And um, I had... Uh, I had started talking to a lot of animals outside. So when I started doing animal communication, I know you both understand that how it is, you know, first you only talk to the animal that you have, and then suddenly you feel more confident, then you start talking to others outside. And the wild animals kind of give you a cold shoulder many a times, the ones who are outside, they ignore you, that suddenly this human has started becoming very smart, wants to talk and do all of that. I got a lot of uh, glances like that and what the hell, get lost, you're not interested. So while I was in this journey and trying to talk to some, I found these two cockroaches which kept on coming into my space. I said, today I'm not going to spare them. I'm going to talk to them and see what's happening in my space. So I started talking to them and it came like a jolt from, I was not expecting anything from a bug, you know. Uh, Suddenly that bug started talking a lot and it gave me so much of stuff, told me why he was here, what he wanted from me. And then I asked, then um, the last I said, what do you think about what is the message you'd like to give to humanity? I was in that, you know, in that mode when I was doing that conversation. And he gave me a message, which I shared on you, um, shared on Instagram. And oh my God, that was a big lesson for me. It went viral. That's okay. That That's fine. That happened. I'm very grateful. For, but I got trolled like nobody's business. People started making memes out of it. And I was getting angry and I said, oh my God, if this looks like, if this is how success looks like, I don't like it. So and, you know, I was, I was all angry and not realizing that, you know, there is a lesson there. The lesson was to, it's okay to accept, to understand that there are a lot of other viewpoints. People may not feel that love and compassion that you feel for us. There'll be other people who do not feel. Doesn't mean that those people are not nice. They're in their own journey. They're going to reach that point or they may never reach their point. That is not your job to push them to reach to that point or not that point. So from there on, the pressure of sharing which you're talking that you have that pressure, oh, I have to share, I have to put up a post or I have to share something, kind of started coming down. And that was a big lesson for me because anybody who's creating content on social media has that constant pressure. Oh my God, that I have to put up something. Like every morning I think, oh, what am I going to put up? But from then on, 
it started feeling if I have something today morning to put up, I will put up. If there is nothing, it's all right. Because so, my so job. understand this. You got mm-hmm. trolled by people because you were communicating with a cockroach. Oh, yes. Big time. They called me the crazy lady. They called me whatever. They... Well, that's not trolling. <laughs> no, it is. It is, though. It's no. trolling. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they all think we're mental. That's fine. But that that's really interesting. That, well, they, so people, well, people were basically shocked because you are supporting cockroaches as opposed to squirrels, which are pretty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They were very mad at me. They said, now this lady wants us to go and protect cockroaches. They put up my video talking and then they created animation into it. They were very creative. I was amazed at their creative skills, that my face is there. Then there is some other animation happening in that and how they are making fun of me and saying like, now she wants us to look at cockroaches as divine beings who are giving us I, messages. I and they said, fame. Oh. I think that's fame, Parul, isn't it? That's when you've really, that's when you've really made it, when people actually, you know, doctor your, you know, do that, whatever they call it. But that's, that's fame for you, because that wouldn't have happened if you weren't famous. That's how I see it. (laughs) I don't know. That didn't feel like fame kid at all. (laughs) That felt very bad at that moment. That's hilarious. What was the message of the cockroach? Outside outside of the different points of view, which I think is wonderful and also comes back to the and right that we were talking about just a little bit ago was there was there more about humanity or something in their message or is that the is that one of the biggest takeaways you know the what when I asked them what is the message that you want to give to to humans you know so the biggest thing that they came is and which happened to me after that a lot that you know we are so so concerned about ourselves and we are so busy in me and mine and myself and doing all of that and they say that for them it is all about supporting and helping each other which we, which we do not do so like they said that we have to survive and we are the toughest surviving creatures on this planet so we have to survive we do not only think about our survival we think about the survival of all the others which are linked to us so it's like how they they carry food for the others how they service others how they live down below that was amazing the way they showed me how they pile up when it gets cold over each other to protect themselves warm like this so how they are doing all of that 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 was an that was an interesting conversation and a pretty long one where they kept on kind of giving me those images, those knowings and how they are piling up like that and how they kind of make a circle in a drain when they are in a drain. So to protect themselves from the water gushing out, so they circle on the linings and how they stick with each other. There was so much that they showed me and gave me and it was all about how helping each other helps and not pulling each other down. And and right after I roll out that reel and everybody's trying to pull me down... (laughs) And yet it did not. Look at you. Now here at 45,000 followers. <laughs> Yay, cockroaches. Lessons from the cockroaches. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, I've so, never seen it. I need to go out and find it. I'm curious. Yeah, me too. We'll have yeah, to go. I'm sure. I watch many of your things because um, you do a lot of readings live on Instagram too, or you answer questions live on Instagram. And I always find them fascinating. And and is do you know if predominantly, is your audience in your part of the world or do you find i feel like it's a it's global by now is it not it's global okay um, i have i would say a lot of audience in my space but i get a lot from outside also so from uk and then from us dubai um many countries australia a lot of places i have clients from a lot of places from japan that was a recent one from japan okay. Truly international then. Yeah. A lot. And and it's nice because uh, you get to meet those different kind of people and interact with them and see how they live, what they do. So it's it's always very exciting to me. I am very excited to meet people outside my country. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Kate, you had a question. Oh, I've got hundreds of questions, but... (laughs) So, um, because we've talked about this, Parul, and... um, I think Julie gave me the, a more politically correct way to to phrase the question. Let's see if I can remember it. Um, 
so one of the reasons I've said, I think I've said this before, being really sensitive about animals, I'm quite, um, I would love to live somewhere else. I was brought up in Africa um, and, um, you know, having lived here, I just, oh, I so want to go. I actually loved India. I went to India for business. I absolutely loved it. I thought it would drive me crazy because it's just like, oh, so full on. I was in um, uh, Mumbai. It was like totally full on, but I, I just, I loved it. It, it. it had a beautiful synchronicity even though it seemed chaotic it all just seemed anyway all of that but one of the reasons I am scared about going to live somewhere a bit more um well not here basically is the way that people treat animals I mean this has helped me I think the biggest thing I've learned over the last year even is that because I I you know here I am in Scotland very well protected from all of that the sheep are lame and I worry about the sheep and that the farmer's not taking care of the sheep enough and the sheep you know Julie hears this all the time I worry about that and I am actually okay with these things now because actually it's not my job to fix everything so I am really learning that and I'm also from the lessons I learned that you know animals don't expect that I have come from this level of being feeling responsible for the well-being of every animal in the world to realizing that it's nice if I can help them, but that's not my job. It's not my responsibility. And they are teaching other people as well as me with all these lessons. But all that said, witnessing, not cruelty now would still very much upset me. But what we perceive as neglect, perhaps in the West, like me watching and even Judy, we have this with your neighbors about whether they care for your dog the way you would choose to care for your dog. I mean, I backed off a lot on that about you know, they all have their own relationships with their animals. It's not for me. I used to be really judgmental about that. You know, if you didn't treat your animal the way I treat my animal, then you're an asshole. Whereas I realize now that it's it's not my place. Still think it, but I, I've learned to just calm down a bit about it. How, so again, I'm not saying even necessarily cruelty, but neglect and, and um, a lot of stray animals, which admittedly is everywhere, and and I know I know it happens in Britain, and in fact, in Britain, when it does happen, you know, some of the cruelty is very deliberate, um, you know. But there is also neglect, but that's through poverty. So it's the same all over the world. But shall we say that it's probably less obvious here? Let's let's put it that way. How how do you cope with that for all? Oh, that is that is not easy to cope up, Kate. And um, there is so much that happens here. I do not know, that's my struggle. That's been my struggle why I'm doing all this work also because I do not know why they can treat one animal so well and the other not. So like there like is a lot of- Like cockroach, yeah. Cockroach, so they do not want to treat anyway. But I'm, I'm talking about a cow, which kind of gets a lot of respect in India for religious reasons. I'm happy, at least that one is getting- so there are times on my page when I'm talking about the religious significance of dogs. So who are the gods who are taking care of dogs? You know, because somehow I want to make sure that they understand that every, and India is fascinating, you know, every god has an animal. So if we look at Lord Ganesha, he himself represents an elephant. And if we see, um, he he rides a mouse. So a mouse is sacred. So you're not supposed to kill a mouse because if you see a oh. mouse, then it could be just a sign that Lord Ganesha is just visiting. So that is one. Then, uh, uh, oh God, I'm not able to remember any. Okay, so it's then right. we you have... say anything, we wouldn't know anyway. So. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to do that. Then we have Lord Krishna, who represents a cow. So he uh, he grew up with cows, and cows are very sacred and auspicious. Then that is the cows, and then the bulls are for Lord Shiva. So every every god or goddess is like. Ma Durga, she rides, she rides a lion. So every animal is very sacred in our culture because it has been um, helping a god. But I do not know why, for religious reasons, they're very happy. So when they see a black dog, they all want to go and feed. Because if you feed a black dog, you can get rid of the ill effects of Shani, that is Saturn. So, um, so they will all want to go and feed the black dog. So you will see in India, when you go out doing feeding to stray animals, the black dog is always the healthy one because he's getting food and biscuits from everybody because he's black in color. Huh. So, so there are interesting combinations of belief systems, how people are doing that. And they will see a brown dog and they will just shoo that brown dog away. No, we're not giving you food because the priest told us to go and feed only the black dog. 
So <laughs> there oh, are no... That, that triggers all my negative beliefs. You know, if they were all starving, that's better than one being fed and the others being shunned. That's, <laughs> that triggers all my insecurities. What I find um, interesting is in the U.S., it's the opposite. Yeah, black black dogs and cats have the hardest time finding homes. Yeah, you know, in, in animal shelters. So I I didn't, I didn't know, know that, that was true for dogs, Julie. I knew it was for cats. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was for dogs. It's dogs as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. In India, nobody's going to keep a black black cat. It's true here for the and they, nobody wants you to keep a cat to begin with, mm-hmm. and a black cat is a big no no. So oh. that's considered very inauspicious. Okay. And. Yes, it was very difficult because I would land up fighting with every single person in my neighborhood. You're not taking care of your dog. You're not leashing him too tight. You're doing this and you're doing that. And for me, it's like, and it is interesting because I had my son after 13 years of my marriage and I would always consider uh, my, my, I still consider them my children and they were my children. I would talk to them. I would do them. So people would tell you, she's a crazy lady because she doesn't have kids, you know, goes around dogs and she's taking care of animals and she thinks they're their children. So in India, you will find two kinds of people who are crazy. They want to do everything and anything for their animals. And you will find another class which will say, no, I do not need this animal. You can take him anywhere. You can kill him. You can do whatever you want, but I don't need. So that these two different kind of people existing. And for people like me, it becomes very challenging because I'm picking up, we are rescuing. We, I work in a shelter. I volunteer in a shelter. You know, Kate, you were there. And we were doing that. Uh, we were uh, working for that shelter. So there are so many disabled animals. I always feel that you know, a person starts doing crime by hitting an animal. That's the first thing he starts. Pelting stones at an animal is the, you know, I would say that is the basic class to learn how to uh, commit crime. And that happens so much in India because it's so easy. You just go and you're angry. You're angry at your parents, people living, you know, uh, people on the slums, they're angry. They're angry with their parents. Go and pelt a stone at the dog. There you, there you go. So, from that, starting from that point, going down to that level to educating them and telling them, look, it's not all right. This is go- this animal has got a life. He's here. And then on the other hand, animals telling you, you shut up because we have a purpose. We have a reason. We are doing it for a different reason. So it becomes, there is when, I, when I'm not able to breathe, I said, what the hell am I doing here? Why have you made me do this? Because this guy is telling me that he has got a lesson with this uh, man. He wants to be with this guy because he's treating him bad and he's helping him learn a lesson. And I cannot see him being treated this bad and I'm having sleepless nights. And I still have to be in that acceptance because that is what the animal wants. So it's very, very difficult. And it happens on a daily basis in and around us where I see people not treating animals the way they should. And I guess that's my biggest lesson to learn that it's none of my business to keep jumping into everybody's affair and keep out of it and yet protect the animal and look after the animal. Yeah. That is when my healing comes into play. When I see those animals, when I see them not being treated nice, I cannot go and interfere to that point where I can save the animal or get the animal back. But what I can do is always open my heart, share love, meditate with that animal, call him into my space, heal that animal. And um, that's how I I joined this Let the Animal Lead method of uh, uh, Caitlin Prasad. She's doing a fabulous job with shelter animals and teaching animal Reiki and teaching all this, how you can meditate with animals. And I really like that. And it really works wonders for the animals who are kind of abused or not treated well or not doing physically well in shelters. Mm-hmm. Shelter is a place where you go and if you kind of sit with them, open your heart, share your love, do that meditation with them, everything starts to calm down. You start feeling balance and love again. So I feel from being that active person, going and fighting with everybody and trying to save and salvage every animal from coming back to my own heart, coming back to my own essence and trying to expand myself to, you know, feel their love and let them feel mine. So that is all I'm doing these days. When I see something happening, though injured, okay, always will give first aid, will pick up, will look after. But if a person is treating an animal bad, our country is also very limited rules and regulations. We are working on that. And we are trying to, there are a lot of people who are aware these days in India or educated, they're trying to bring in laws, we are trying to enforce them. 
but that's a challenge, especially in apartments where people are living. The apartment living is the place which is getting the worst uh, hit because they are we are living in apartments. The neighbor doesn't like the dog barking. There's a neighbor on top who says, no, I'm okay. There's a neighbor on down who says, I am allergic. So, you know, it's so difficult to kind of cope up in that situation and still have your dog and maintain your sanity in the house also with other family members because they say you're bizarre. Why do you want to have them? Because when they are having problems and there's so much of problems, why don't you do away with it? So there's a lot of lessons which I think animals have globally kind of geared up and helping humans understand and learn their lesson. That's what I feel. Yeah. I just want to um, share something. I told Julie this, but it, you know, it gives me so much hope. We have a, we have a lovely lady who, it was it all came very bizarre because Danielle actually got in touch with us and she said she said she didn't normally respond to emails, um, but somebody in Egypt had asked for it for some help communicating with the animals in Egypt. And were any of us interested? She just said, and we'd start this group. So we communicate. I'll just show you this. <laughs> so this is this is Kuka. And Kuka. Oh. <laughs> so the lady who um she just got in touch with us and like in India and also this is the same in Turkey as well because my mum used to live in Turkey you have big 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 groups of stray animals and every now and then the councils would go out and poison them which was just devastating for people who care but you know so just you know there were volunteer groups who go out and and capture and and sterilize and release and that but every now and then people would get disgruntled and either the, the council would deny it but it was quite often led by the council or enabled by the council they would let people go out and do these mass poisonings which was horrifying and also extremely dangerous for i mean again like you i don't care about the people okay but it's still dangerous for everybody anyway but so um i can't remember the lady's name it's completely gone but kuka's mom should we say because she so she's actually um learned animal communication but we sort of meet every few months and that we get together and have this this communication with her and she has said that since she'd started so what had happened is kuka was the only dog that was left surviving the whole pack was poisoned and so her, her concern was Kuka was now on her own and but she learned and we all spoke to Kuka and spoke to the group and it was all very beautiful and we've all sort of stayed in touch through this and what was beautiful about that was she says as I mean this has been a couple of years on now and she said that she's seen since she started doing this that the attitudes to the dogs around her, the people closest to this group, because Kuka's still there, she now has a new group. I mean, Kuka's not domesticated in any way. She will now sit near her. Can't remember the lady's name, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to, wait, 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 I need to, sorry, because it's driving me crazy. Can't read her name either now. It's gone. Anyway, um, and I, I don't know if she watches this, but hello. <laughs> Um, but she's saying she's seen attitudes changing like there are more people coming out to feed the dogs there's just been a softening of this and because people watch her people have seen her little kids now will stop and ask her what she's doing at Gehan that was her name sorry thank you you know they, they've seen her and they see her feed and they ask questions and she's now seeing more people do that so it's just like she, just in two years of her opening her heart whether or not she'd learned the communication, yes, she has learned the communication, but it's just that I think having that support from other people and being able to keep your heart open and that she's just that, you know, we totally underestimate the, the, the impact we can have on people around us. So that might just be some tiny little enclave of a few people in a tiny bit of a, a massive city in Cairo. I remember her, she'd written to us all and said she was really worried that Cuckoo was getting cold. And it was something like... I can't remember what it was like 17 degrees centigrade and I'm like oh my god again like if my house was 17 degrees I would be so happy you know it's like she just couldn't conceive of the fact that 17 degrees is too cold for a dog I'm like it's not it's not it's too cold for humans <laughs> but um you know just to see that change in attitude of people and it just gives me so much hope because I really believe in the law of attraction and I know we can't change things by fighting them but at the yeah. same time there's a bit of you going yeah but but you know you feel so impotent but we're learning if you sit with that love and you stand true to the love that you feel it does change it does change and it's the only way that things change so I just wanted to share that because I just think it's beautiful when she says she's just noticing more people 
not chasing her off, more people putting out food, more people paying attention, but, and, and even just being interested without aggression, whereas previously people would throw stones, chase them away and stuff yeah. like that. So it does change. When you mentioned this, you know, um, I I remember that once when I was like struggling and I was getting very angry and I was not sure and I was asking the animals, what is it? You know, you are telling me to do one thing and there's another thing happening on the end, which I cannot kind of see. So they say, just just get out of the way, because what is happening most of the times people are having issues with strays is not with the stray. It's with the human. Mm-hmm. So it's the human who needs to get out of the equation. So the moment uh, where I live, if people realize I'm not the one who's taking care of the stray, suddenly they have nobody to fight with. They cannot go and fight with that stray. So they're fighting with me because I'm a human. I can speak, I can talk, and I am representing them. And I'm saying, I am going to take care of all of them. And I am there standing. So the moment I remove myself, they feel very lost. Now they have lost the purpose. They do not know what to do. And animals taught me, just get out of the way slowly and keep doing what you're doing. Go out, keep feeding us, doing all of that. Do not engage. Do not come in the front and try to support us because we are very, very capable of doing that for ourselves. So, okay, if somebody's trying to ride a car over them and I can stop, I will stop. But not like that, not picking up a fight every time. If, you know, somebody is uh, shooing them away or somebody is trying to not look at them with love or not share love with them or not be respectful towards them or not be respectful towards me when I'm feeding them. They say, just leave all of that. And it changes. The moment you drop that and you open your heart and just keep sharing love with the animals and not worry about what humans are doing around, they kind of all change. So now we have more people where we live who are taking care of the strays and doing stuff. The moment we backed off there was a group of us who would keep doing this and once we backed off it kind of really changed and it is so amazing such a good lesson isn't it because because i think that's so hard for those of us that feel like we've been doing battle with the whole world all the time you know trying to do it our way and then you realize just shut up like you say you know it's just yeah that's such a good lesson such a good lesson Mm -hmm. julie I didn't know if you wanted, if both of you wanted to talk a bit more about pranic healing at all. Well, I'm fascinated. And actually, <laughs> I had I had the beautiful, Perul actually did a healing on, on little Sally. Um, but um, unfortunately, Sally's so lazy, it's impossible to tell <laughs> whether she's improved or not. She did actually jump up onto the, she has jumped, started jumping higher. Anyway, go on. Yes, Perul, because I'm fascinated because I'm I'm absolutely fascinated with it. Yeah. Pranic healing is, as I told you, I started out uh, with the humans and uh, it's a great modality because it's very, very simple. It's very scientific. It Again, it talks about your body and where your energy is sensing energy. So it talks about your chakral system. It says you have like major nine chakras in your body. They need to be aligned and rotating at a particular speed in a particular direction for you to keep feeling well and keep healing always but what happens that because of whatever is happening to us either in our space or internally in our body that alignment goes off and they teach us sensing energy with our hands so and what I like about that that it works very beautifully in distant healing so it's not necessary that I need to have the person present with me energy works everywhere it's where your thought goes your energy flows so They teach teach us how to sense energy through hands and sense and see how the chakras are, whether your chakras in line or not, how much energy they have, whether it is dirty, whether it is clean. And then they teach us different, different. Pranic has a huge bunch of different, different ways of healing. So it's like one name, but it has many different modalities. You can use your hands. You can use color and hands. You can use crystals. You can clear negative thought forms, emotions, and feelings. You can help people get rid of addictions. If somebody's got an addiction to smoke or drink or anything, and that person wants to get rid of that addiction, you can actually work with that person to get rid of that addiction because they talk about certain thought forms which we have and we attract the similar kind of thought forms from the universe. So we can clear that from the chakras. We can clear those thought forms. And uh, what else? They have a lot of interesting. Then they talk about arhatic, which is another um, beautiful modality, which is raising your own vibration, increasing your own spiritual awareness and 
trying to connect with yourself, where the pineal gland is activated, where we are, start connecting with ourselves. And we do these meditations. There are a lot of meditations that they teach. And as an Arhatic yogi, I've done my Arhatic practice. So as an Arhatic yogi, I'm supposed to meditate for good one and a half hours every day. And I love what about their meditations is their meditation includes exercise. So they are the only ones which say that before you meditate, start moving a bit. So they say when you move, do simple stretches, move around. What are you doing? You're activating your chakras. You're clearing any stuck, dirty, diseased energy in your body. And then you start getting the universal energy inside your body. So they have a lovely system and they have a method by which you can do. You can play an audio. You can do that and you meditate for good one and a half hours. And it kind of helps increase your own ability to sustain that energy that is coming in so that that's what you can give out. So it's not my energy. It's the energy which comes from top, which I have to give out. So I have to keep my vessel ready, nice and strong and prepped up every morning so that when I'm out doing this work, I can be there available without feeling exhausted, tired. Or, so know. do you meditate for an hour and a half every day? Uh, not every day, uh, but three times a week. That's committed. Mm -hmm. Because I'm switching. So I'm thinking, okay, let animal lead also teaches me meditation. That's the overdoer in me. Okay, they also teach me meditation. So how do I fit that in? Then, okay, I want to meditate to a particular frequency. How? So it's just, it's just me overdoing it. So don't worry. That's, well, no, that's just... like, as you know, I, I was I was already, after I'd looked you up, stalked you, Carol, and looked at your <laughs> website and decided that, <laughs> that we were going to do healing together. Because I was like, well, I don't know who she is. I need to check who she is. I don't want to email her and say do you want to do this event with me and then decide I didn't really like you but I'm delighted to say Pearl <laughs> so as I stalked I was like panic healing that's fascinating and I went and looked it up and I've I've got the book somewhere there I only got the Stephen um thingy book the the other one I have in pdf but and I started mm -hmm. reading them and then I got in touch with a lady in Edinburgh who does because they do them the UK pranic healing do the first course but she and she said, oh, yes, I'll be doing it in the new year. So I was like, all ready for this, all ready to go, because all the rest of them are really far away. Um, and it hasn't happened. But as you know, or maybe you don't know, I'm, I decided at the same sort of time to qualify in the um, body code stuff. So I have been up to here with all the body code healing, which I think is why the universe has not put a pranic healing Thing in January so hopefully it'll be around March or April and I'll do it then I'm just fascinated and watching it. have you seen Perul do it Julie mm -mm. no that, mm -mm. like because this is what gets me because this also feeds into the event you and I did Julie about feeling energy and now I'm like I need to do what Perul's doing because she feels energy because because for someone like me the overthinking side of it and that to actually feel energy for me is such a boost because you're like okay maybe it is real it's not that I don't believe it's real but there's always that cynic inside me and then when you get some physical evidence I'm like well therefore it must be real because I can feel it and just watching Prul so Prul was sort of doing this like telling me how big um uh Sally's chakras are which of course Gary thinks hilarious because he's all he's walking around the house <laughs> what Prul had told me is that um the Sally's Agna Agni chakra yeah, is, the, is that the brow one that. yeah she has a really big one, apparently. That's why she's so stubborn. Because and hers is smaller, <laughs> and hers is smaller, and Sally's bigger. So Sally is kind of very easily she kind of dominates on her and gets her way done because hers is smaller. So it's it's interesting when they teach huh. us with children and parents. You know, there are certain children who can get away with anything with their parents, and their parents are struggling because you know their energy disk is a little smaller. The children are bigger, so they are able to overpower. So how your chakras affect your personality, and that happens with animals also. So uh, you know, in in many cases, their their solar plexus chakra is big, so they are processing emotions in a much larger and a bigger way. But when you just clean in and get it back to their size, it like and they start feeling less of the emotional overload which their human is feeling. But again, the most interesting part is this is this all happens until, and if the human starts learning the lesson why they're doing that, then this is permanent. Otherwise, once we heal, it gets better. And then eventually the human has not learned the lesson. So the, they have to bring up that behavior again, then it goes out of balance. And it's beautiful how everything kind of ties together at the end. And once you understand the whole drill, 
pranic healing, bark flower, any other energy healing modality or meditation or anything can help the human figure out what's happening with the dog. But at the end, you have to do your own work. Yeah. That doesn't go anywhere. Wow. That's fascinating on Sally because I know, doesn't she, sometimes she pounces on you too, yeah, right? She also totally dominates me in that sense. Like, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, she's, she's been like that the last two, three nights. She was all right last night. She's been waking me up again at three o'clock in the morning and, and, yeah. uh, um but you know there, there's there's energetic shifts in our house at the moment as you know with with yeah. um my mom dying and that and my sister's here although Sally loves me you know so there is stuff going on so I I have I'm not learning any lessons this week is what I decided I was just like I do you know what this week I want to eat cake yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not learning any lessons this week I've had enough but yeah this has been brilliant this is fascinating Julia I think I think we've been going. I didn't actually look at the one clock when we started. Yeah, it's yeah. We we probably we probably have taken up uh, a lot of Dr. Chaudhry's time. So we're very very grateful that you've been here today with us, Parole. Thank you so much. It's so much fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. So impressed mm -hmm. by you as well. <laughs> yeah. you know so that? much fun <laughs> talking and sharing. You know, it's you. It's rare you find people who can understand what what you're going through, and it's so amazing to be on this show where we all are like-minded people sharing so much. And it was, it was really a pleasure. I was really looking forward to it and I absolutely enjoyed it. Wonderful. Good. Thank you so much. So we will put more about uh, Dr. Parul Chowdhury in the show notes so that you can find her website and her Instagram videos. And we'll try our best to, to put a link to the cockroach video as well so that you can see that too, because cockroaches matter. They matter. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, I'm Julie here with me as always is Kate Fago. We are making light to humans being, and we hope to see you next week. Take really good care of yourself.